This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 1st, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. A major free speech case will be reheard by the U.S. Supreme Court, heightening the possibility of overturning a key restriction on advocacy during elections. Commenting on the so-called Hillary the Movie case, John Samples, director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government and author of The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform. The Supreme Court has decided to ask for a rehearing of uh, the case of Citizens United, and specifically on the question of overruling two earlier precedents that uh, the court had, uh, had had in campaign finance, uh, part of it being the somewhat notorious case of McConnell versus Federal Election Commission, but the more important one being a case uh, called Austin versus Michigan Chamber of Commerce, which was decided in 1989. Uh, the facts of that case are pretty straightforward. Uh, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce, which received money from business corporations, uh, had taken out an ad in support of a candidate for the House of Representatives. Uh, at the same time, the state of Michigan had a uh, law that was not an uncommon law to that prohibited uh, corporations from spending any of their treasury funds uh, directly in elections, like supporting candidates for office. So the question was whether that Michigan law violated the First Amendment. And in 1989, the Supreme Court uh, said it did not violate the First Amendment. The state could prohibit a corporation from uh, spending money on elections, even when they spent the money uh, completely independently of parties or a campaign. And they said, you know, the traditional reason that you can have uh, campaign finance regulation is to prevent corruption or to stop it, stop corruption. Uh, But usually that's been understood for 30 years or more as quid pro quo corruption. That is, you try to keep people from giving campaign uh, money to candidates and in turn the candidates giving some favors to the contributor. That's the standard theory. But the problem in uh, the Michigan case was that, uh, you know, Michigan's uh, Chamber of Commerce had not given anything to the candidate or to his party. They acted independently. They were just taking out a, um, an ad uh, to essentially provide information about their views about what would be good for the economy. In the Citizens United case, this was a group of people who came together to mm-hmm. spend corporate funds, the Mm -hmm. group that made the movie is a corporation, Mm -hmm. to make a movie not advocating the election of a candidate, but essentially advocating the defeat of uh, Hillary Clinton as she pursued the presidency. Well, and another way of putting that would be to provide information from their point of view about a candidate for the presidency and to present it in a very effective contemporary version, a movie, uh, and that's basically what was going on, yes. But there, they did uh, stay away from or tried to uh, to deal with uh, the regulations that existed by not directly advocating uh, election or defeat. So that's, what, that's how the Michigan case connects to Citizens United. Citizens United essentially could have been a very narrow decision, but it now looks like it's going to become a very big decision in the history of Supreme Court work on campaign finance. It seems likely that there is a five-member majority who want to uh, have a significant liberalization of campaign finance law that now believe 
that uh, things like the Michigan decision, uh, upholding bans on independent spending by corporations, uh, are violations of the First Amendment. Indeed, two members of the current court dissented in the Michigan case 20 years ago. Uh, Only one member of the majority is still on the court, Justice Stevens. Uh, Justice Kennedy and Justice Scalia both thought that the Michigan law was a violation of the First Amendment. And Justice Kennedy, typically uh, in the the First Amendment cases and campaign finance cases, has been the fifth justice uh, that has to be convinced to form a majority. Uh, to oppose. So he, he clearly is, once he wanted to over, he would have never made the ruling uh, to begin with. So he clearly wants to overrule the Michigan, uh, Austin versus Michigan precedent. What is the First Amendment issue here for people who would like uh, campaigns to be more competitive or more open? And what are the risks? Well, the First Amendment issue was well put by Justices Scalia and Kennedy in 1989. I mean, this was a law prohibiting an organization uh, from uh, speaking out during an election about the the qualifications of a candidate for office. It was clearly a prohibition of free speech uh, on its surface. And it was also done without any kind of relationship to corruption, as was understood, because they weren't giving any money to the candidate or his party. So you that was the issue. Uh, the In 19... 19- 89, the majority of the court, though, said, well, you know, it's corrupting because if you let uh, business corporations spend their money on elections, what will happen is they're so wealthy, they'll drown everyone else, they'll dominate all the, the speech, and essentially they'll buy the election or they'll dis- the word that was used was they'll distort the democratic process, and that's really a corruption of the democratic process. So what was happening was corruption was the rationale for uphold campaign finance restrictions. And the court said, well, let's just redefine corruption as uh, inequality. So to, to prevent corruption, we have to have equality of expenditures or equality of influence uh, during an election. And, and that's what the effort what was going on. What has happened, what happened uh, at the beginning in Buckley versus Vallejo was the Supreme Court said equality could not be a reason for restricting free speech. And then last year, again, this court, we have said that equality is not a rationale, said explicitly could not be a rationale for restricting free speech. So it it does look like that there's a five-member majority to say that if you want to have free speech, you really can't use equality as a reason to restrict it in campaign finance. And it's easy to see why that's so, because essentially... Free speech means people are free to say what they want, to organize themselves, to get involved in elections. Some of those people will be effective, others won't. There'll be inequality of influence down the line. Uh, And if you're going to try to prevent that, then you're going to end up preventing people entering and getting involved in elections. So free speech and equality of influence are incompatible ideals. Oprah and I do not have equality of influence when it comes to speaking as out as individuals, for example. That's correct, although that's another example of an even different kind of uh, question, which is that Oprah, you know, can sp- give certain amounts of money as an individual, but uh, as I, as we know now, um, um, 
Oprah's endorsement of candidate Obama last year was worth on the order of a million votes uh, to him. And that was a significant outcome, but it didn't involve uh, outlay of money. So, And it, what you're saying is correct. If we are going to limit equality of influence, we're not going to have to go after just the corporations, but also people like Bruce Springsteen and Oprah Winfrey that have significant inequality of power in an election, even though it doesn't uh, express itself as money. John Samples is the author of The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform. He's also director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government. You can get your copy of the book at cato.org.